Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to luckylandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. 
Hello, you're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs Podcast. It's where I speak to bands and artists about their attitude towards making music and the compromises they've made so they can play shows, write records, release those records so the rest of us can enjoy it. It's all a big circle really, isn't it? On today's episode, I speak to other half, Cal and Sophie. My first introduction to them as people was going to Norwich, went to lots of house shows and, and met lots of nice friendly faces and Cal, Sophie and Alfie were some of those faces I recognised. When I started seeing them at shows in and around London, they just kept on getting better and better and harder and faster and funnier and drier and catchier. Soft Action is their new record out now, Big Scary Monsters, with their label mate Suds, who I had on an episode a couple of months ago. Suds have actually just announced their new record, The Great Overgrowth. Uh, yeah, huge fan of it. I think Alfie might be my favourite drummer ever. I played guitar uh, but was never really cared I never really cared about guitarists pedals or guitar sounds I've always been a, a drummer watcher you know what I mean and Alfie is the most fun drummer in the world for me to watch so big love to other half big love to big scary monsters and soft action is out now go and listen to it put this on pause listen to soft action and then come back here here they are Cal and Sophie on 101 part-time jobs yes uh, look it, it's, this is always going to be funny like speaking to people that have known I've, I mean I've known you both for 10 years on mm-hmm. and off coming to Norwich had some amazing memories in Norwich and just spoke to Suds the mm-hmm. other day and I feel like they're you know there's you talk about scenes there's always something going on right all these all these bands are overlapping in their existence lots of people coming to shows moving away da 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 it seems like Norwich has been a pretty cool place it seems the whole time that I've known it for about 12 13 years in terms of gigs and in terms of people doing their mm-hmm. art you're doing something different and it's so cool because we get to share that and we get to enjoy that and i think that's just like without sounding too earnest i think that's really fucking magical that you could be yourself you know in 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 as part of a scene where lots of people are doing mm-hmm. cool stuff that's very common that's not really i think it's not no, really question, no, no we'll take the statement i think as well it may look like that but that has taken us years of like trying to rip things off and then not getting it quite right to get to a point where i think actually now when i write a song to me i am now writing another half song as opposed to trying to rip off a million bands and then it you know getting it slightly wrong i think so. i think we gave up years ago on i think out coming out of the bands that we'd been in previously and then having an idea in our head of what we then wanted to do and that was like i think in a way it was like so what we wanted to do was different from the bands that each of us us had been in but i think it never really quite worked because we were trying so hard to deviate from the stuff we actually really enjoyed doing and i think we've always said i think when we, as soon as we started playing all the goofy bits that we liked um from all the different music we liked it just sort of started to fall into place um which i think really nice it seems to be an issue of almost getting out of the way of mm-hmm. yourself getting out of your own way which it seems to be a really difficult thing, and I wonder if like what's one of the what's one of the main attributes to being able to do that? Practice. That'll time? do it. I mean, we've definitely had the time. <laughs> That's the thing. I think a lot of people don't realise that we've been a band, and a lot of time we don't realise that we've yeah. been a band for ten long years. 
years in between doing other yeah. stuff. But that time does allow you to become that much more comfortable with what you're making yeah. as well. And I think as well, yeah, we have been really lucky that people have taken us in, especially in like the last three, four years, when like and not blowing smoke up our ass or anything. I don't know many other UK bands that we do sound like. Like, I don't think we fit in neatly anywhere. But the nice thing about DIY punk as well, it doesn't really matter what you sound like. It's like you're sharing the same, like, ethics and stuff with people. That's kind of enough. And that's, yeah, I think we've been very lucky with that. Yeah, I mean, you know, when, you know, basically repeating what I said earlier, when you when you go to a show and you think you might know what to expect and then something takes you off guard the, the the love that i got overnight when i was 15 going to a local i think i was i think before that I was 12 or 13 and there was a gig at the church hall in the village i lived in near watford mm. and it was a bad pop punk band but something clicked with me that night and started going to shows and built my social life around that and it was a very active thing i've I, you know i def I, people i'm best friends with now i looked at them on in the high street and thought I want to be friends with you because you look like you're doing interesting stuff. Yeah. A big part of that was going to gigs and being surprised and yeah. being like, Oh, I didn't know. I didn't even know that stuff existed. What is it? And that is, that's so cool, you know? And, and these days I'm getting out a bit with hip hop and you know, the, the mm -hmm. De La Soul reissue stuff. Yeah. And working at community radio station where there are DJs playing all sorts of stuff. I think being surprised by music and mm -hmm. doing something different, um, yeah, it's magic, isn't it? I think Norwich, as you say, as well, has been pretty good for that. Like all the bands that are coming up at the moment, w like audio-wise, we share very, very little with. But like the kids putting on gigs and everything, they really don't care. And I think that's the thing that probably like the world has lost a bit of tribalism in terms of like music stuff. Lost tribalism? I think so. Like you don't get like kids who are just this one thing and listen to this one thing. They listen to everything yeah. and like there's i think there's probably less of a judgment type thing so well, I, th I think that when i when i think that when i moved to norwich when i was 18 i think what i experienced was like particularly when dan was putting on like outer step club nights where mm -hmm. he but he would put on like mixed bills um but i think what i experienced was just like people not much older than myself putting stuff on because nothing was happening and that was essentially and it was like happening in any space they could find whether that was karma cafe or the crypt mm -hmm. at bedford's or whether that was like in a in a random pub a cafe like mm -hmm. olives or a house and and it was purely out of like necessity and it was about just giving opportunities to people to to play and to also also to put because i think we take i think we take for granted that actually whilst it's difficult to sometimes like play your first shows or to get your music out to people. Actually, it's also super difficult for fledgling promoters, people who want to do that side of it too. Yeah. Um, so it was like creating that space. And then I think like, I mean, that's why like I, I started putting on like the shows in my house because I was like, I want to hear all my friends' bands. I want to give a space that feels safe and cheap and, and, you know, easy for people to come and like play music. But I think there was a few years where, in Norwich, like, I do think that didn't happen because there were fewer and fewer, like, venues that kind of wanted to put on music um, and it became, like, much harder. And I do, I do think Norwich had a lull. Oh, God, yeah. But, like... a good five years where I felt pretty disconnected from mm, everything. And it's, like... It's a long time, five years. It is, Absolutely. Yeah. And now it's, like, I'm 30 this year and what I'm seeing is that same thing almost, like, happening mm. in Norwich. And it's kind of... It's, it's so heartening, especially like not being like fully as maybe like 
invest as in involved in like the mechanics of it as what I was maybe back when I was 18 just because you know work nine to five or whatever (laughs) but like it's just so lovely to see that there are people like making their own like zines and that people are booking their own shows and and like like places like I'm sure when you you know when you spoke to Suds like talking about Lowell and like having shows happening there and just um like Dom putting on shows at like um that relationship with last Last standing and and like all these things that kind of go along with it and it's just like nice to see that cycle and it's like it's also nice that we've been allowed to be involved in it like like a lot of these people that are coming through like I, we didn't know before mm. and like i think there it can be the possibility of like there being like divides and like there's 10 years between us essentially yeah but we're still as involved with all of that and yeah i think that feels very lucky and like an actually inclusive scene which is yeah nice to be involved at our age <laughs> talking about time and making time for yourselves you know we're out here loving the new other half record soft action out now on Thank big scary you. monsters and <laughs> you know talking about it's taking you 10 years of effectively like tweaking it and thinking about it and rehearsal thinking about how bands can do it and how artists can survive in you know today in the 21st century i mean affording yourself the time what do you think are the sort of main ways that you've been able to do that is that you know living with family does that mean live it like living in a town that's a bit cheap does that mean having a you know a, a boss that's cool you know i'm definitely projecting here because i have struck i struggled the whole time since i was 18 and i don't know if it's a london thing i don't know if it'd be different if i lived elsewhere i you know i lived in devon for a bit and i found it even harder there because i had to drive everywhere and it's rubbish but you know what can you think you know what for what reason do you reckon you've been able to do it now sort of better than ever i think you definitely forego a lot of things to choose to do what we do so for example me and sophie have been together for 10 years as well and we've probably been on what two holidays in that time because our holidays now are when we go on tour or anything like that Mm. and like i have also foregone getting any sort of job that would mean I could save any sort of money to do any of the sort of adult things that other people do. So I've only ever worked like a load of part-time jobs, zero hour contracts that allow me to fuck off for a bit whenever I fancy. But at the same time, I think what makes me feel like half a person is the band stuff still. I think I've always been able to like pinpoint like that as like, oh no, that's the thing that actually brings me like a a whole load of happiness. So I should probably keep digging at that. It also helps that Alfie, our drummer is also my boss. It also helps that, you know, I've always worked with people I know who also do like music stuff and art stuff. So they get it. And yeah. I mean, I I was, I think I was very lucky. I think I, I come from like a family that like, you know, didn't have like a lot of money, um, but something that was always like, ingrained into i remember my dad really like really vividly i remember him saying something to me like you know like if you've got money sophie like spend it because you're not going to be able to like take it with you so to speak and i think so i've always had like better or worse i've always had like in the back of my head like maybe like i don't need to saving money like isn't a priority so like what am i actually going to do if i save that money and like it was really drilled into me with like my mum and dad like just like i don't know just experience stuff over anything else and like they were a super musical family. So it was kind of always, I don't know, it was always a thing where like music's always been like a priority. And so kind of making sacrifices without maybe even like consciously realizing that I like I'm doing so, Mm. but 
like I think I've just gotten used to like I'm I live with, I'm like 30 I live with my mum you're living with your mum at the mm -hmm. minute as well so like I suppose that's a sacrifice in itself I've quit yeah. jobs so I can go on tour um and I think like that's like particularly after coming out of university and quitting like what was a fairly stable job so I could go for a tour and recognizing that actually this could set me on a path that isn't going to be great in the long run. But yeah. I had a mum, like my mum, I quit my job so we could go off and she met me like outside, like the shop that I'd quit my job of with a bottle of like champagne. <laughs> because, and, like, she was so like, I think in that moment, like it was like, she was so proud that it was like, I've made this decision not to stick it something that I have no want or love for doing. Yeah. But and like also I, yeah in regards to jobs like saying like we have like i've had really cool bosses like my 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 boss at lush he used to roadie for blur and he used to love and he used to be in a band and stuff like that and he used to love like hearing about tour stuff and he was like if i put in the hours when i was available like he would really like support like like me taking time off like where he could and yeah. i think it's just so nice that actually there's often like more often than not there are people that really think it's great like what you do and want mm. to help you because it's a tough thing to do and i think people get that but um oh yeah i think i've been quite lucky and maybe we've just gotten used to not yeah i think having a, a fantastic quality of life there is something like you get used to your life whatever it is don't you i guess and i guess it's so ingrained in us now that this is our life and I don't really want it to change in any which way that you accept all the, the slightly less good bits about it and then just hold on to those sweet, sweet moments, man. There's yeah. got to be something to do about the people you're surrounded by because if you grow up in a family who all go and try, you know, go to... Uh, you know, set off on a path towards a, lots of years and years of education to try and you mm -hmm. know, be a lawyer or, or a doctor. You know, like growing up in that family, you'd, you'd, you'd find it, you know, be fucking a nightmare trying to be yeah. like, no, I don't want to do that. I got away with it because I'm the youngest and I think my parents were just tired and so they just didn't <laughs> care anymore. And, you know, and uh, you know, Sophie, what you say about, you know, you, you, I love that. There's two things. You set off that path where you kind of you make one big decision and you kind of see the little exploding bombs almost on either side of the track and you're like okay this is it this is a domino effect we see what's going to happen you can see it and then you know you set on, off on that path and your mum's your mum's meeting you on that path with a bottle of champagne what a wonderful <laughs> thing i mean, I mean it, what what do we have to say for now i mean look i'm i don't i'm not a very good adulter but i keep an eye on boring things like interest rates and that the interest rates of mortgages just went up well last year didn't they went up so high a couple of my friends are getting you know who bought houses in the last couple of years are getting their new rates through and it's twice as much as what they were paying before and it's like well what do we have to save for because we can't get houses or flats unless you're mm. fucking loaded without having to worry about it so let's just pay rent or live with family and yeah. try to sort of quash what is very stressful in life yeah i yeah. think that's the thing it does allow like i find being on tour and it's, i'm sure it's different for a lot of people but i find it the most stress relieving thing in the world like i don't i think about nothing else except that we have to drive somewhere yeah. maybe uh taking uh, some you know activities on the way trenton monkey forest uh <laughs> and then get there and like do the thing that makes me happy and it's like i don't think about anything else external at that time so that 
that's about as near to it. In fact, it's probably I worry less on tour than I would if I was just going on holiday because it would be in the back of my mind like, oh, I'm spunking a load of money here. I have to go back and then pay for things. Whereas, yeah, we like. I know. I, I yeah, I hundred percent agree with you. I think I. Strangely, I think I get quite antsy and I don't know whether there's like a certain Im- amount of imposter syndrome that I've always kind of lived with. But I think there's something to me about being on tour where I feel like I'm in mo like, like, I suppose, excuse the pun, but like I am in motion, like I'm going to do something that for me is worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And like, it just calms down the chatter in my head a little bit about, about the idea of like, I suppose like social pressures, like what am I achieving? Am I, am I, have I made the right decisions to spend my time wisely? Like, is there a reason why I'm still like living at home? Um, and it's like you say, but in terms of like, it's the time that I probably worry the least. Like I think I've spoken to you before, haven't I, Giles, about like compulsive behaviors and things like that. Mm. And I'd say that actually when I'm on tour and you probably like, cause you know me probably better mm. than anyone. Like it's when I'm on tour is probably when like my, yeah, my, kind of OCD calms down and mm. which is so strange because it's like it's you're kind of really up in the air but I mm-hmm. think it just yeah I feel feel probably most relaxed when I'm <laughs> when I'm in the bilingo oh god yeah isn't it funny there of those particular things that you can identify you're like okay yeah there's this there if I if I do this then I, I do feel better Mm-hmm. you know and and you know i wonder if it's part of that i read an alex g interview the other day where he said writing songs you know he just poops out songs doesn't he and when he writes mm-hmm. songs he just sort of he's he's he, the way he thinks of it is he's kind of just like oh there's another one add it to the scrap heap kind of thing and i wonder if you know obviously that's not a scrap heap that's like mm-hmm. some magic shit that's magic that's pile of magic and i wonder if like going on tour is a bit like that as well is that you know if one person is into the music if one person uh, you know, if you feel like you play, you know, you play a good show and you you lock in with each other, and as a, as a trio, you you get that good energy that you like. You know, that's that's the experience, right? That's even the cherry on top. I just like yeah. being in a car with my friends. To be perfectly yeah. honest. But, no, but I mean, yeah, those. Yeah, it doesn't. I don't think it takes a lot for us to be over the moon. So I think one of the other nice things about us being a band, and the reason I think we've been a band for ten years, is that we've never been a band to go like play a bad show. And then like, we're not talking to each other. It's like, what the fuck was that all about? It's like, if we're making mistakes, we're, we're smiling about it. And it's like, we are genuinely happy to be there. I don't think, I don't think I can count many occasions where we've not been happy to be there. Even if the, the show has like not been the best or there's been other factors that have made it, you know, like something that should be less than enjoyable. Where's my rider? Where's my three dime bars? <laughs> I'm just like we're all just so aware that actually like going back to what we were saying before about the things that maybe you do forego that actually like it's a pretty silly thing to still be able to actually do Mm. and like to be able to facilitate doing and it just is yeah it's it's so it's so lovely still Mm. still doing it and it does feel yeah I get to go places I get to see people that you know I haven't seen for a while I get to Sometimes we get free slop. Sometimes we get free beers. And most of the time now, it pays enough that we're not losing money on tour, which is all I've ever really, really wanted to do. I don't need to make money from it, but if I can have a free holiday every few months, then quid's in. Hey, expectations. I mean, my expectations are like in the bog. They're they're so low that anything that happens is is a positive, which... You, you know, once again, it means I haven't got an awful lot of drive. <laughs> but 
have you, but have you never have, have you never sort of have you ever had times to like that the, like re-regulating that expectation has been hard because like you're gonna have hard times you're gonna have hard times mm. you're gonna have like those difficult times where you're even lower than you know or your, your expectations maybe creep up a little bit like maybe you know you get that email from that agent or that promoter saying hey do you want to support mm -hmm. smashing pumpkins and it may or, or slap you know insert your favorite band here and yeah. and then you get that really excited and then maybe it doesn't happen and it's a bit like ah have you ever had, had anything like yeah. that it's definitely a bit of that and i think as we've done like things that make me like immeasurably proud like like things that i can like tick off like when lag said he would put out our first album and yeah. i was like gallows was like one of the first bands that made me realize there was music outside of you know what my dad was listening to and then like when when bsm approached us about the second album and bsm have put out loads of our collective favorite bands yeah. and like that obviously in your head goes like ah oh, these things that i thought were only attainable for people like you know that i had no connection to it was like oh it's happening to us obviously that makes you go hmm could you know could other things happen but i think it's just mm -hmm. you know quelling that because like already all my little dreams have come true so it's like you know, I, I'm not going to start building new dreams for myself. Like the, all my kiddie dreams have come true. So yeah, yeah I think I think it. I think like, again, like because we forget how long we have been a band. I think because it feels like like maybe not a slow process as such, but like I mean, we didn't do much of anything for seven or nah. eight years. So. so I think like it's still very just anything that comes our way is very exciting. Mm -hmm. Like one might have been a small thing for a lot of people, but we played in Cambridge uh, uh, last year and it just so happened that uh, Matthew calls from Nada Surf and Nada Surf are one of my favourite bands in the world. And like, I had the most uh, amazing experience when I was like 15, I went to a festival with my dad and he said, let's go see this band. And I was like, Pickle. oh, cat, Come tell on. the story. Shit, that's my cat. Sorry. Cat um, Pickle. Yeah. We got a Mr. Pickles over here. Oh, oh my gosh. Mrs. Pickles. They wouldn't get on. Um, anyway, but uh, yeah, so they're one of my favourite <laughs> bands ever. And he just happened to come into Alfie's shop uh, that he runs. And uh, Alfie just went, are you, are you in a band? He went, yeah, I'm in a band. And then Alfie told him the bands that he was in. And then he went, yeah, I'm in, I'm in Narda Surf, by the way. And like, Alfie was like, what? What do you mean you're in Narda Surf? <laughs> and then we just gave him a message knowing he lives in Cambridge. Say, do you want to come to our gig? And he came down by himself, but there must have been like 15 other people there. Oh, Callie, you're being nice to us there. I think it was like 10. There was 10. It was like 10 people. <laughs> Big up, Rob Masters. Sorry for losing you money, Rob Masters. Um, and, Won't be the first time. Uh, Won't be the last. Yeah. <laughs> Won't be the last. And he came down, he just watched so attentively, he came up at the end and just said all these nice things about how it reminded him of things that he used to watch with like his, his wife and stuff. And just... He also said to us, and I think this was the thing that to me was like, absolutely ridiculous he was like oh um i was gonna bring my son down like but he couldn't come and i because i wanted this to be like his first like he said something punk about gig, like he wanted yeah. it to be his first punk gig and that like yeah was... having someone that i'd just seen on a stage and like on a cd yeah. be an actual person and like the yeah. thing that links us is that we literally just go around in a car and sometimes play some guitars and stuff and like i think that's a an amazing thing yeah. <laughs> as if matthew came to our gig but, I think, that was yeah. but with just any gig or anything you do, there'll be, even if you don't think you played the best show in the world, there'll be little things that happen in that day that wouldn't have happened if you were just at your job all day or anything like that, that just make every little bit of it worth it. And sometimes those things that happen 
have like a, a story attached or yeah. like something that, that you go like, wow. But at the same time, all the little things, like when we, the car broke down on the way to Oxford and we each all went a bit lovely. loopy in the back and we dropped a whole bottle of soy sauce all over the Blingo and, you know, we thought we weren't going to make it to the gig, but then we did make it into the gig and then the Blingo got towed by the the grandson of the person who owns Shell Gas or something. Like the CEO or something like and that. It, and it turns out that he was, he was working on his birthday. I was like, why are you... CEO of Shell it's like you're working on your birthday anyway but like all that stuff that happened and we still made it to the gig and it's like that was still one of the happiest experiences yeah, that I've and, had in a long time and like above all and I, I know I've said this to you and Alfie before not to be not to be all soppy but like Love I've it. said to the before that like I like Cal and Alfie are probably like two of my favourite musicians like so the fact that even if we're not playing like a fan like even if like we're not playing our best it's like I don't know, like, just, I can turn around and, like, there's, like, say, a couple of songs where I fucking love watching Alfie play the drums, like, more than anything. And it's, like, I'll just turn around and, like, the fact that I'm getting to see someone that I really admire do something that they're really good at every night and, like, I get to, like, sing some of Cal's lyrics, like, and I think they're fucking great, like, like lyrics that you've written. Like, I think, like, that's something that I think maybe I take for granted, like, is that above all like we get to do really fun stuff and we, you know like we've been so lucky to have our records put out by people we admire but again like above all the reason i play in this band is because i really i yeah. you know it, i like what we do and i love the people i get to do it with so i'm very lucky in that i get to watch that every night i think it's a nice mutual thing as well i think i really like being in a three-piece i think three-piece just works and it's easy but at the same time you can just look to your left or your right and and there's your best mate doing what they're best at and i think that's a a pretty undeniable thing and like i do just stress that if anyone doesn't play in a band or doesn't do things like that do give it a go because i do think it it produces like the best feeling you can get out of life from what i've experienced anyway i think it's a a good thing i agree i think it's a bit like you know if you're lucky enough to have parents to encourage you to uh, play an instrument or 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 sport or like anything mm-hmm. or like fucking trampoline class you know what's the yeah. little bodgy badger ones that toddlers go to where they knock into each <laughs> i don't know i think like you're so lucky to have anyone in your life that encourages you that or like to at least try yeah. and learn at a young age that like doing things like sharing experiences with other people and trying to create with other people is mm-hmm. is a yeah, pretty pretty amazing thing let's talk about jobs oh where, where I, does i sorry shout i'm shouting there sorry let's talk about jobs. <laughs> where does um what's alfie's shop so alfie owns a shop uh called elm uh with his friend Paige, and i've been so lucky to be employed by that shop for a very long time but it's like it's like uh what do they call it home and lifestyle lifestyle they sell they sell uh, you know stuff to put in your house and that uh but <laughs> it's very it's very nice that once again I, I like making money for my friends i don't so much like doing it for you know a faceless thing that i know nothing about but it's, it's nice to turn up and know that i'm working at a shop but i'm putting pennies in my friend's pocket so yeah, yeah, that's a nice, it's, it's it's different when you're working at like a just a faceless thing, as you say, because it is yeah. just like, what am I doing? You could be anyone, and maybe I do want to feel special. Maybe I do want to feel like I'm doing good. I think mm-hmm. when you when you feel like you don't really know why you're the person that should be doing it there, that becomes a difficult thing. He really does look out for all his staff, 
a ridiculous amount. Like he would always put us before him in any which yeah. way, which is a, a pretty pretty rare thing to find. Well, you've worked at pubs as well, haven't you, Cal? I, so yeah, I work at the Playhouse and I also work at the Norwich Art Centre a bit as well. And so I think I, I like a job where I, d- I basically do one thing and I can get fairly good at either pouring a pint or putting money through the till. I mean, a, a, a job to me, I don't need any sort of progression or <laughs> this is making me sound like an awful no, person. No, I think but... you like, you've, I think you've always liked compartmentalizing things. I like, mm. I think you like work and then social time. Yeah. And it's also nice that all my work is also pretty much social time. As long as I work with a lot of really nice people for 10 years. I worked at shoe, uh, selling shoes and get, I get just thought, yeah, just, just letting you all know. Um, <laughs> but I, I just thought, oh, maybe that's, that's my life now. I'm very bad at instigating change. And I was like, it, it was a fine job, but I would not say it was, I, I wasn't, you know, looking forward to turning up to work. And it was like, you know, they found that, oh, you're too, ba- you're too bad with the customers to be out the front. So I'll put you out the back in the warehouse. And then they said, oh, you're too bad in the warehouse. So I'm going to put you out the back in the front with the, with the customers again. And then they said I was too bad at that. And then vice versa. And I thought <laughs> swap between the two roles for the best part of 10 years. But like that, then I think you and Alfie were very integral in like, Cal, you can do other things, you know? Mm. And then, so I went to uni at 27. I then started working at Alfie's shop and then started working in, in bars. And like all those things was such a realization, like you can do a job that I don't hate when I turn up to. I, yeah. I, and sometimes I actively, I actively enjoy being at those places. And like, they're all like a bit more creatively minded places to work. So like, once again, they get it. If I, you know, would rather be, drawing silly pictures or, or playing the guitar and like everyone's sort of in the same boat. So I think, yeah, it was just lucky to know that, that you can do other things. And so thanks for making me do other things, even if I'm not doing anything like wildly different, like, I just made a slight change that made my life a lot easier. So it was funny. Sometimes those, those small changes are the biggest ones. Sometimes sometimes Mm. they're the most obvious thing. The thing like, going to the gym is you know not an easy thing to do but if you can go there and realize that if you do it once or twice a week and you could be doing anything you don't have to be doing something intense but or like drinking more i was was just thinking of thinking of things that make me feel better of things i didn't do before which are like right under your nose half the time drinking Mm. more water drinking more cups of tea that makes you feel better and sometimes you forget sometimes yeah (laughs) wow that is a massive that's will you drink one of them a day yeah, because I just won't drink water, otherwise mm. I just forget. So you've got a giant pink water bowl, so you just literally, you can't be anywhere without seeing that thing. No, <laughs> and I can't lose it. It's the only water bottle I've never lost. <laughs> yeah, but Cal, Cal laughs at me because, like, I can't drink it like a sippy cup, so I kind of put my mouth in it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is the size of Cal's head. <laughs> that's brilliant. Hey, um, uh, yeah. someone, someone said in an episode recently, I think it was Jim from Civic, and that band's amazing he said that there was a moment in his life that he knew he had to get out of a job because he was starting to try and be the person they wanted you know he was buying he was emotionally buying into the identity of that job and he recognized that i mean i wish i could say that i've recognized that before but i've only done that too late i've only done that after i've been fired or left um yeah it's it's funny isn't it and i think 
I think that I, I don't know if it's a British thing, but we feel spoiled, maybe thinking that we can just do things that we don't hate. And that's the thing. I think I've always been in a very no pressure environment, which I know is the luckiest thing in the world. But like, I yeah, have never been pushed to do one thing or the other. So I'm a lucky boy. Yeah, I don't. I well, think but- I um, have always like maybe I've never had pressure like externally when it comes to work, but I think like. I've always put a lot of pressure on myself and like going back to the imposter syndrome thing. I don't know whether it like, don't know where it stems from. I don't know whether like, cause I like have a council estate background, you know, I've always lived on council estates and feel like there's, and it, I never really was aware of that until I went to uni and it like, it was just so evident that there is like this kind of weird divide. Um, yeah, but like, I've always felt like, Oh no, I really need to be proving myself in the work that I do um because like here's this thing that i've always felt like maybe i've got a bit of a chip on my shoulder about because people kind of made it maybe a little bit obvious with sort of comments about like backgrounds and things Mm. like that previously so but um yeah good segue into talking about your song on the album actually there if you wanted to then mate oh yeah like the yeah the last song on the second album that that was my little contribution yeah and that could you could you tap into i mean i've often found the things that really get me and the things that really like jar me up and the things that are kind of, you know, get me down. I found those things the hardest or, or not necessarily to get me down, but the more confusing. Mm. Mm. I found that really hard to put that into words on a song. Did you find that all right? Getting down thoughts on, on this stuff on paper? I think so. I think because like, I think I, I did take a leaf out of your book when I was writing that and actually how, it's okay to like name check stuff, like to use the name of actual places and like use the use snippets of conversations that you've actually had. And that I think just made it easier because like, it's okay to like be really, I don't know what the word is, but I I I think a lot of the time it's like a reportage thing. So like, you don't have to make this big point because the point can all be there in all like these bits of evidence and stuff. Like it's what I've always found from anyway. Like, and it makes sense to it doesn't like it can make sense to me over you know and and that's fine mm-hmm. um so i think it was actually like a much easier process than and i think that some of them were lyrics that i'd had floating around for a little while um but then kind of building them out um but yeah it was a, it was a enjoyable to get it out i think yeah writing First from time. real life from from real conversations that's great because you don't like you don't you can't really think too much if you're having a conversation that's flowing you don't exactly think so much about what you're going to say or at least in in my experience the best conversations and the the most rewarding you know times mm. are where you don't think about what you're going to say it just kind of pours out and then so, you know it, it, sometimes you do catch yourself saying something or the people you're speaking to say something and you're like oh yeah something clicks mm. and like that's pers- that's mm. a bit of person bit of personal growth that isn't it Absolutely. i think it's liberating to write in that way just because yeah as I say you don't have to have a grand message that that will probably yeah. weave its way in there because everyone's talking about something that is endemic something else that's mm. the wrong word but you get what i mean mm. but like yeah, it, i've yeah. always found that a much less pressured way of writing because it's literally just stuff i've heard so i don't have to be too precious about it and then sometimes, maybe if it rhymes, sometimes, cool, now we're talking. <laughs> I love it when like, it happens in hardcore that, you know, there'll be maybe eight lines of lyrics in some of those songs. And I'm like, wow, you've told me some things that, 
you know maybe if, if you had a lot more words it would the the message would be diluted it wouldn't be as strong mm. find that really I mean, interesting yeah, I, I jam so many words into songs so i'm quite the opposite of that i'm like desperately trying to like, put some more in there and then one might, might catch. how can i look really really clever <laughs> Well, I'm not trying to do that, Joe. <laughs> uh, Sophie, you've done so well. You know, you're doing stuff for Rolling Stone. You've done stuff for Kerrang. You've done stuff with John Robb. I mean, those th those are amazing. You know, I was going to say creative endeavours there. That makes me sound like a butthole. But that's amazing <laughs> creative work, isn't it? Yeah, I, 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 I feel very, very lucky. Like, very fortunate. Um and feel so uncomfortable talking about those mm. things and I, I don't really know why um i think when we when we were like oh, like it would be fun to do this podcast with um with giles i was like i loved the like my job i had when i was like 14 but right. i forget that like yeah like i mean yeah i i feel really lucky to have have done this work and i feel very fortunate because it's like i don't i don't really know where to I don't know what I was saying. Did you, what job was that when you were 14 that you had? I worked on a chip stall on Great Yarmouth Market and I bloody loved it. It was yeah. great. Oh, oh Mr. Biggles. Oh. Go on then. The chip stall on Great Yarmouth Market. How how fun. What are your what are your memories? I I I loved it. So I don't have you ever been to Yarmouth, Giles? Don't think so. Oh, it's great. It's a little seaside town, there's a little marketplace, and um there used to be all these different chip stores and all you could get were, were chips chip like, butties it was it. or just yeah you get chip butty but like you, if you wanted a sausage you could not get it no if you way. wanted fish you could not get it it was literally chips chucked it in some paper and it was great because you'd have all the nanas come down from like Norwich on a Tuesday just for their little bus trip yeah. and get their little 60p cone it was fantastic because they were all vet, like super chatty and I loved it because I got to talk to so many people um and it was great, but I think it just, I never really, I think, appreciated how Norfolk it was until I was telling you about it one day. Mm -hmm. um, because like the one I worked on, it was like, it shared a courtyard with the other one, like a different stall. And my old boss, like he got me working on a Saturday. Um, it was great. He also actually, I really wanted to go see the Flatliners in Norwich and I had no way of getting there. So he offered to drive me and my mum to Norwich to go to the show. And he took his son um, because he loved music like so much. And it was, it was so lovely. And sometimes he'd slip an extra fiver in my pay packet yes. just because um, we, we got on really well. He was, he was such a lovely boss, but his, he had a wife called Julie and, um, very funnily, the lady who owned the other chip stall was also called Julie. <laughs> and um, <laughs> other Julie, let's call her Julie B. Mm -hmm. Julie B was like, can I also employ Sophie to come work like the other weekend day? So I would like, you know, I'd have, I'd have two jobs, same <laughs> chip stall or different chip stall, same courtyard. And um, <laughs> it was also really funny because there were also these two, this set of sisters um, and one sister worked on one chip stool and the other sister worked on the other one with Julie A and Julie B. <laughs> Customers would get just get so confused. It was so funny. And um, I remember I had, you know, I was loyal to Ross. He was a great boss. So I, I don't know what was going through my 14-year-old brain, but I was like, do you know what? I'm not going to eat Julie B's chips. <laughs> I'll work there, but I'm not going to eat her chips. <laughs> that, yeah, that, hey, that's loyalty, built-in loyalty. 
But then one day, let's say Sister B, Sister B was like, Sophie, you're going to have to start eating Julie's chips because she thinks that you've got a problem because you, you like, you worked for Ross first. <laughs> you worked for Ross and Julie A first. So one day I was like, right, I'm going to have to make a point of eating these chips. So I had some of Julie B's chips. How were they compared? Oh, they were not as good. Oh, this um, is an episode of, Sy- this is a George Costanza episode of Steinfeld, isn't it? <laughs> It was it was just so funny, but so that was like a job I had until I moved away for uni, and then I popped home one day, like my first year of uni, and I went to see Ross because I wasn't going to Julie B's chip store. I was going to Julie A and Ross's yeah. to have a little catch up, and he and he was like, "You never guess what happened the other day." Apparently, Julie A and Julie B had a bust up in the courtyard, and Julie A whomped her. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So do you um, know how they re- do you know if they recovered do you know if they they made up i'm not sure um also it strikes me that having a fight near frying pans or deep fryers is a very terrifying prospect that in the courtyard oh it was so in the, it was in the courtyard ground. so it was it was probably like it was like a it was like a yard it was made it wasn't big like you mm. could probably put your arms it was like as big as maybe your arm width so there was just buckets and like mm. upturned like potato buckets to sit on for your lunch break that kind of thing um oh, but do you reckon anyone film it's up on youtube isn't it Might i be. don't know mm. um i i just know that <laughs> i I, I never really thought about how how funny mm-hmm. that was until <laughs> like after and i just i think i just had very i just had such fond memories of working in this environment where like yeah because people in Norfolk are so chatty, particularly mm-hmm. like older Norfolk people. They bloody love a chat. Like that. So they'd come along and like, they'd be there hours. And I just loved it. I think I just loved chatting to people and it was very easy and it was it was real nice. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that, you know, I don't get satisfaction at what I do now because I really, really do. Um, but I think there's just something that I think as a first job, um, it, it was so lovely. Mm-hmm. Like it was, yeah, it was, it was very, very nice. Seems to be um, like those those sorts of places where, you know, we live in such a society now, such a sort of, uh, yeah, society where it is like, oh, what's the next thing you're doing? What's the what's the next mm. big thing you're doing? You know, my experience of those markets and chatting to those people, and I get it. I live in a great place called Deptford. You guys should visit. Oh, you we met on the street outside waiting room until the fest, and <laughs> you know, waiting room and lots of other shops. There's just this feeling. And we're still in London. There's still a bit of like, oop, things are going up. Council tax going up. Mm-hmm. But there mm-hmm. is this feeling more so than anywhere else I've ever lived where it's like, they're just happy to be here. And I don't mean in a sense like, we're so happy to be here. It's just not like, oh, wish I was somewhere else or, oh, got to go this to go. Or, you know, I've got to, there's not, just doesn't, there seems to be a lot of pressure around work and lifestyle that seems a bit unnecessary and i think places like that does, don't necessarily breed that pressure they breed a more yeah. of a content yeah. absolutely i think like i think maybe that that probably is like the um observation like i think why i do think about it so fondly because like people were so giving with their time just because they mm. just fancy having a chat whereas i've done a lot of retail jobs like worked a lot in retail and for a long time in retail where like the transaction it was a transaction like you know it would be like can i help you find something it's this much money would you like a bag and even like like i say i absolutely love what i do now and like i've met some really lovely people but even sometimes like email exchanges like i'm such a rambler like i think (laughs) 
I think is the Norfolk way where it's like my all my emails will be like how's it going what you've been up to like blah 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 yeah. and then like I think my email especially in such like a fast-paced environment it's like yeah, cool. <laughs> like the response. And I'm like, oh no, I've upset them. What have you one part-time jobs? What hundred one part-time jobs? What hundred one part-time jobs? What hundred one part-time jobs? I I have another one from one of my first ever jobs. Um, Let's go. Uh, I I I think probably before the chip stall actually, like the same year. I think I like had got a, myself a little Saturday job in a little local art gallery. Um, but I went out and I'm underage drinking. Bloody I know. Naughty. I'm such a, yeah, really bad. And I, it was probably one of my first ever hangovers and my first day in this gallery, I thought someone was going to be with me all day and they were like, oh no, I've got to go out. So here you go. Here are the keys. You do, you know, you just look after everything. I tell you what, actually, that back wall could do with changing. So if you want to just fish some other, like, paintings out and just hang it, like, just change the wall, curate it, do what you want, go for it. And I was like, oh, hell, like, I'm, I'm very hungover. So I thought I better do something because I want this job. So I, like, pulled the, the little footstep, like, stool out to, like, climb on. And I remember, like, taking this picture, hanging it on the wall, like letting go, stepping back and like thinking like I've done a really good job there. It looks great. And the whole thing came like just crashing down from this wall and like the glass like just smashed everywhere. Like the frame busted. And I think this was like over a hundred, like it was a local gallery. So it wasn't like super expensive, but it was like over a hundred like quid, this piece of work that someone was selling it for. And I didn't know what to do. So I called my mum yeah. and my mum just like came round and like we both like, we just stood there looking at this absolute like mess that I'd made. And I was like, just start crying. Cause I was like, I was like, oh my God, I'm really hung over. It's my first job and I've smashed this work. And um, we, we figured it out. It was great in the end. And then my mum and dad took me for a roast dinner. Yeah, yeah. all's well, it ends well. Do you, want, do you want to talk about eating on the toilet? No, I've got nothing. Let's, let's yeah. leave that there. Oh, no, come on. we got to have you, Cal. I mean, have you ever... Well, one, I have one of the shit daggers that I had to drop you off at work, which made me late. Well, that's where I essentially shat myself at work. You on the way. It was, my it was, it was on the way. I wasn't even... The, yeah, I was late to work. And you got to move forward a little bit more because of the, the audio and stuff. Oh. Sorry, sorry, mate. I'm here. I'm here. No um, so uh, on, the, on the way to work, I was so, so obscenely desperate for the toilet that Sophie had to walk me like a little old nana all the way to work and uh, on the way uh, we have a friend who owns a big white van and he pulled up and was like oh no what's, what's this luckily it was him but she's going hey, hey Cal what's going on and I just have to explain to you I'm, I'm, I'm going to shit myself please why were you um, gonna, sorry why were you going to shit yourself I just have very bad bowel control. Okay. Um, and then I got to work and I was like, I'm sorry I'm late. And they're like, how it's not good enough. And I was like, get on the shop floor now. And I was like, no, I, I, I'm going to shit myself. Can I go to the toilet? And just, there was a, a moment in my, in my manager's face where she's like, should I let him go to the toilet? Like, of course you should let me go to the toilet. Oh, and then uh, uh, got in there and uh, and uh, had to turf my pants out. But, you know, we've, we've, <laughs> we've all been there, haven't we? We've all pooed ourselves at work. But um, I'm glad now I work places that would uh, appreciate more my uh, bowel yes. control and would, would let me take my time in the bog. So thanks to everyone I work with now. I don't want to bring it up, but uh, eating lunch on the bog, was that ever like a, just a habit of 
That was a habit just because I don't like eating in front of people. So I thought the best course of action was to eat a whole sandwich on the book. <laughs> so, you know, I, I have moved past that now. I can eat around others. So uh, that's growth, baby. Did you ever have um, at, at shoe? That's like mm. quite a stressful environment. I feel like there's the, the smell of shoe is quite intense. Yeah. Is that, did you ever get any customers that were really angry or like just were mean or more than, yeah, I would deal with now. There was one, my, the, the most like confusing moment, uh, a kid came in, he just picked up, uh, like a, like a Fred Perry or something. He gobbed in it and just put it back on the shelf and left the shop. <laughs> no. and I, just didn't, I just didn't know what to do with that. I was like, he didn't. He, he, there wasn't like a gaggle of friends like egging him on or anything. He came in, spat in the shoe, and then left. And then, yeah. So dealing with things like that on the regular was a, was nice at least. Did he look you in the eye as he did it? No, that's the thing. He wasn't looking anyone in the eye. That was purely for him. That experience. Mm. Confusing stuff. Yeah. But that's the rich tapestry of life. Yeah. There we go. And life goes on. This podcast mm. ends, and someone out there will be spitting in a shoe at shoe. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Hey, thanks so much for being up for this. Hey, thank you. Thanks, very, very kind of you. Enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, thank you. So there was Cal and Sophie, Soapy, on 101 Part-Time Jobs. Other half, great, brilliant band. They're my running band, so if you haven't already found that trick, go running to Other Half and you'll feel bigger, faster, stronger. Uh, come back, I'll be back. Uh, oh, Other Half are playing Arc Tangent next week. Uh, so if you're going to Arc Tangent Festival, go and see them. You can also see me with Pupil Slicer on the Thursday morning at 10 a.m. on the Elephant in the Barroom stage. So yeah, Arc Tangent Festival, all the action next week. All the soft action, am I right? See you next week for some episodes with Fiddlehead. Power Plant and Ben Spence from Fuzzbrain, which is a great studios in London where Island of Love and the Chisel have recorded. See you then. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.